0: We're on the record. I'm producer Sam Burmistaz, filling in for Sheila Kass today. Good morning. The Chesapeake Bay teems with life and is home to a rich array of creatures from across the branches of the evolutionary tree. Crustaceans troll its depths, fish swim in its rivers, and oysters have built their habitats in its waters. The Chesapeake Bay's oyster population plummeted in the latter half of the 20th century, but there are recent hopeful signs the Bay's oysters are making a comeback. Here to talk with us about all things oysters is Amani Black, an oyster farmer who is pursuing a master's degree at University of Maryland's Center for Environmental Science at Horn Point Laboratory. She's also the CEO and founder of Minorities in Aquaculture, an advocacy group dedicated to increasing diversity in the cultivation and study of marine life. Welcome to the show, Amani. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So, the, the oyster, what's its role in the Chesapeake Bay's massive ecosystem?
1: Yeah, it's actually uh, has such an important role in the ecosystem. It's actually a keystone species of the Chesapeake Bay. It filters out the kind of harmful things that are in the water and it provides habitat to, you know, fish, crabs things like that. So it's really a starter for a lot of the ecosystems, many ecosystems that form in the Chesapeake Bay and that help it thrive.
0: A little over five years ago in 2018, a Maryland Department of Natural Resources assessment of the state's waters found the oyster population had shrunk in half in less than 20 years. What's at play here? Is this the result of just the commercial overharvesting?
1: Um, yeah, it's a it's a multitude of of different things. I think really the way I look at it is the it's a domino effect of a lot of different things coming into play. You know, earlier on there were, you know, oyster diseases, MXX and dermo, um that came in and sort of wiped out the oyster population after it already been struggling with over-harvesting, habitat degradation, and just kind of the decline of the water quality as those oysters were being taken out of the Chesapeake Bay in large masses. And so, yeah, it just sort of is a domino effect of all those things. And then when the diseases came... You know it really just wiped out the oyster population less like down to less than one percent of our historic numbers um so yeah so it's a lot of things that kind of are the catalyst for where oysters the, the decline for the population has gone
0: the maryland department of natural resources announced in early january just a couple weeks ago that they had found record numbers of juvenile oysters during their annual fall survey recent attempts to restore the oyster population include supercharging the planting of juvenile oysters across the bay so are things as good as they sound from here on out for the bay's oysters
1: yeah absolutely Oysters in the Chesapeake Bay are thriving, and there are a lot of um, really impactful and influential people that just continue to study them and develop innovations and different practices just to help you know them can cont- continue to thrive. Um but yeah, I think that there is um, a really great picture uh, in the future and like ongoing for the oyster population in the Chesapeake Bay right now.
0: This is On The Record. I'm producer Sam Burmistas filling in for Sheila Cassidy. I'm speaking with Amani Black about the Chesapeake Bay and the harvesting of oysters along its shores. You grew up on the Maryland's eastern shore. Uh, a Chesapeake Bay Journal profile claimed you have its saltwater in your veins. What was your connection to its waters growing up? Was there ever any doubt that this is where you were going to end up?
1: Um, No, I was pretty kind of steadfast that I wanted to do something in marine biology in, you know, the environmental space. Just growing up on the eastern shore of Maryland and in, you know, a coastal community of the Chesapeake Bay, that is just something that is engraved into our culture and our heritage. And that was something that was a huge part of my upbringing on on the shore as well. Um, You know, recipes and family dinners, fishing, boating, different things like that were all a part of my upbringing. So I think that all of those things combined really, you know, kind of set me up to understand and appreciate the Chesapeake Bay and understand that we, you know, need to preserve and restore it. And so, yeah, from uh, yeah, I would say seven years old, I've known that I've wanted to be a part of that uh, initiatives and those approaches in some way.
0: The mission of your nonprofit, Minorities in Aquaculture, is to diversify the people involved in your industry. Uh, When did it become apparent to you that that this kind of work was uh, necessary?
1: I think so. I was a uh, worked on the commercial shellfish uh, aquaculture side for six years before I started minorities in aquaculture in 2020. And so um, I just realized within that year with just everything going on um, socially and, you know, just politically, Um, that I had never worked with another woman of color before or a person of color that was in a leadership role. And what I mean by that is someone that owned a farm or is that a manager of a aquaculture facility or, you know, something along those lines, um, you know, I only worked with, um, you know, Hispanic women and Hispanic men and African-American men that were the labor roles of the job. So more hourly, um, more labor intensive and, you know, not really managerial roles. And so, um, you know, just through recognizing that from my own experience and then everything, like I said, that happened in 2020, I just realized that um i had never worked with another person in that sort of space and i originally started the organization to want to build a network of women of color that i could reach out to and talk to and um yeah just kind of have a community with um in aquaculture because i had never had that before um but once i started the organization it's really taken off and there's a lot of um, different things that have come up over the last three years that Um, have just, you know, compiled into the need and the importance of minorities in aquaculture for the global aquaculture industry.
0: Uh, I mentioned earlier that you were pursuing a master's degree at the University of Maryland Center for Environmental Science at Horn Point Laboratory. Your research uh, focuses on the Bay's Black history. What is the goal of your research, and and what have you found so far that's surprised you?
1: My ultimate goal really kind of stems back to my own heritage on the Chesapeake Bay and recognizing the importance of, you know, traditional watermen and the maritime occupations that really just, you know, made the structure of the Chesapeake Bay commercial fishing industry and the ecosystem entirely. Um so my research is really focusing on just really amplifying the Black maritime history that is not well documented right now in the overall Chesapeake Bay narrative. You know, the contributions and the obstacles and the perspective, firsthand accounts, things like that from the last living Black watermen. Um, And so those are things that I've just been really excited to find. Also kind of sad that I'm finding them out now and that there's very little um, documentation on these individuals and sort of events that have happened within the maritime history of African-Americans. But I'm excited to incorporate that into my thesis research and also to be able to continue talking about that as I move on for my thesis research. As I
0: said before, oysters have been in trouble in, in recent years. They're making a comeback. But some say over-harvesting threatens to undo those gains. In your view, does the commercial aquaculture industry need to change its ways to avoid depleting the Bay's oysters?
1: No. So in my opinion, I think um, that you know oyster aquaculture is one of the most sustainable ways of you know sectors of the aquaculture industry, mostly because we don't have to go out into the wild and cultivate and harvest wild oysters to be able to do aquaculture. So we're, you know, really kind of letting them rebound, replenish and restore themselves while we're also adding in um, baby oysters and spat on shell and just different things like that. Whole oysters, you know, oyster farmers are annually putting out 2 million individual oysters a year in their respective lease areas. And so just in that time that the oysters are in the water, whether it's a week or um, a month or a year, they are, you know, really being impactful to those ecosystems and really cleaning up those waters and increasing the water quality. And so I think that, you know, no, I think there's a lot of things that we could change, you know, as far as like infrastructure and different practices, but those things will come in time. But I think overall, Oyster aquaculture is really um, more beneficial than harmful, in my opinion, to the Chesapeake Bay.
0: Amani, thanks so much for talking
1: to us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
0: Amani Black is an oyster farmer on the Chesapeake Bay and founder and CEO of Minorities in Aquaculture, a nonprofit dedicated to diversity in the cultivation and study of marine life. Missed part of our conversation? Not to worry, you can find this episode and others at the On The Record page or wherever podcasts are found. Short break on the record when we're back, remembering the black watermen who worked the Chesapeake Bay's waters. I'm producer Sam Burmistaz filling in for Sheila Cass today. Stay with us.